Are you ready to heal your relationship with a man and heal yourself? Healing codependency, narcissistic traits, and raising your awareness are just some of the topics in this episode of This Podcast is for Women with special guest Lisa A. Romano. Hi, everyone. I'm Adrienne Everhart, and welcome to my video and podcast. This podcast is for powerful dynamite women. My very special guest is Lisa A. Romano. She is a certified life coach, and today we're going to be speaking about healing and healing yourself, however that may come up in your life, moving into a wonderful, loving relationship, or simply feeling grounded and centered with your feet on this earth and feeling like you belong, feeling that you are safe. Lisa is amazing at what she does, and I cannot wait to hear more about the healing tips she's going to share with us. Hi, Lisa. Thanks for being with me today. Well, thank you for the invite. Thank you. It's great to see you. I'm going to tell everybody a little bit about Lisa. If you don't know already who she is, she has a very successful YouTube channel. She is the author of several books, and she has a wonderful program called the 12-Week Breakthrough Coaching Program. I'm going to have all of those links below. She's an expert in the field of codependency and narcissist abuse recovery, and she really helps women who are abused, wounded in any way, heal and recover and really get their life to this wonderful new rebirth. I'm again, so honored to have her on my channel. Lisa, tell us a little bit about yourself and just maybe how you became an expert in this field and how you're helping people. Well, I grew up, my parents were two um, unhealed adult children of alcoholics. So they were children and grown up bodies doing the best that they could. And they were unaware that they were unaware. Mm. So they had no childhoods as, as children. Their childhood homes are unpredictable. And they didn't realize that they had been affected and wounded by the way that they were raised. So when they got together and they got married, they just thought, like a lot of us think, I just won't do what my mother did. And things will just magically work out for me. And so my parents just assumed that the alcohol was the problem and they just wouldn't drink. So I was raised in a dry alcoholic home. There was no recovery work. My parents were, were what you would consider dry alcoholics. Um, very stoic, very rigid. We were not allowed to talk about emotions. We were not allowed to express our emotions. We were expected to conform. We were expected to perform. We were not allowed to have feelings. We were not allowed to disagree. We were not allowed to be individuals. And this is because my parents just didn't have the life skills to deal with the never ending, innumerable responsibilities of raising complex human beings that are born to be individuals. They just didn't have the life skills. And they were frustrated by this idea that we had needs they were frustrated by the idea that we didn't always, we weren't always disciplined and they just became more and more controlling. You are invited to join my online coaching community. I have a private online coaching community where I teach monthly classes. I have guest coaches, guest speakers, moderators, and so much to share with you. You can join as a member on a monthly basis and cancel at any time. You can post questions, help others where you can lend an answer, and access 
our library list of growing classes and workshops. There's so much fun in this group and I especially love the supportive community. It's on a monthly basis so you can join and cancel at any time. Head on over to diamondgirl.me group. That's D-I-A-M-O-N-D-G-I-R-L dot me slash group. I can't wait to see you over at iHeartLove Academy. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And so as a result, I developed codependency. I never felt loved. I felt like a specimen in a Petri dish. And was very wounded by this idea that I couldn't gain a connection to my mother and my father. There was always a pane of glass between me and them. I didn't feel seen. I didn't feel heard. I didn't feel understood. So all of these emotions that I had that I should have had an adult help me process and learn to accept were all jumbled up and stuck inside of me. But the primary wound was abandonment and emotional neglect. And so when I got married, I just thought, well, I'll do what my mother didn't do. I'll be loving towards my children. I'll be overly loving. I'll be over, overly emotional. And so I did what she did. I never healed the wounds that were really responsible for why I felt so not enough and why I ended up in a toxic marriage and why I couldn't say no and why I didn't feel like I had a healthy self-concept. And why I didn't know how to process negative emotions? Why was I so afraid to get angry? Why? Why? I didn't, I never questioned those things. And so I ended up with codependency, which is basically a loss of selfhood, needing to be liked, looking to be validated and approved of, believing that I had to prove that I was worthy of your love to keep me around. And so I entered my marriage very much this little girl that was arrested, probably about the age of three or four, mm-hmm. thinking I'm not good enough and I'll just chase your love. And one day you'll love me. One day I'll figure out what the secret sauce is. And I just lost myself after 12 years and three children. I was suffering with migraine headaches. I was suffering with severe asthma An asthma attack nearly killed me. And when a doctor said to me, there's no physical reason for you to be sick right now. You better listen to your body because your body's listening to you. It was like, like, what, what does that even mean? I'm supposed to be looking within like, no, no, no. You don't understand. Whatever's inside of me is nonsense. Mm -hmm. My mother and father have told me that my whole life. Like that's stupid. You're too much. You're too emotional. You're crazy. No one thinks like you. You're asking me to look within. And so I did, that started me on the journey. And I realized I had to come to terms with this idea that I was very unhappy in my marriage, which was terrifying because that meant I had to accept how I felt. Mm -hmm. And then of course, my ex-husband said, well, if you're unhappy, then you should go into therapy because I'm not unhappy. And I thought, well, that kind of makes sense. So I went into therapy and was diagnosed with codependency. And my very uh, intuitive therapist said, 
you're codependent, but you're codependent because you were raised by two adult children of alcoholics that have done no recovery work. So that's put me on the path to learning more. I, I love that. I love that you met the right therapist at the right time. And it was actually your husband um, who suggested that you go into therapy. I often share with women that it's very much the man that sometimes leads us to our healing on our own. Um, we are sometimes stuck in that self-doubt and criticism and that nasty voice of the critical parent inside of our head. And we don't take action to really figure out what's going on inside of us. Now, I couldn't help but notice when you were speaking about your parents, and I don't know if this is true with your ex-husband, but I heard a lot of empathy in your voice. Mm -hmm. I heard a lot of, you know, they were doing the very best they could. And um, that's something I really believe in is that we can't heal right now. I think there's, there's merit in examining the past and understanding what took place and how it affected our evolution. But if we can't heal right now and open our hearts right now and be intimate and be vulnerable right now with what is, I really feel like that blocks our healing. What is your feelings on, on empathy and healing? Well, I, I personally, I was kind of frustrated to be perfectly transparent with the self-help community and the spiritual community because I felt like I had done all the Louise Hay stuff and the Marianne Williamson stuff. Yeah. I was forgiving everybody up to my freaking eyeballs. <laughs> And I was still a mess. I was still codependent. I was still anxious. I was still full of self-doubt. And so I just felt like the answer was being pushed down my throat. Well, you should forgive and you should forgive. And I really, I really started to study forgiveness. And I thought forgiveness is something that I have to give to you, right? But if I'm giving you something, I have to own it first, right? I can't give it to you and then release it unless I've owned it. Well, then that begs the question, well, what am I owning? I'm owning the pain that you caused me. I'm saying it's not your fault. You were living below the veil of consciousness. You did the best that you did, but your unconsciousness, your immaturity and your wounds wounded me. Now, I'm not going to stand here and point my finger at you for the rest of my life and get stuck in that quantum mess mm -hmm. and just perpetuate it into the future generation. But I am going to take some time as a human being and recognize how my inner child was wounded so that I can develop the awareness and move into the higher state of consciousness and reparent myself from a higher state of awareness and love this inner child that has been wounded. Now, once I have been validated enough and I love myself enough and I acknowledge it enough, at that point, I'm allowed to ask myself, so what do you want to do with all this stuff? You want to hold on to it or you want to let it go? I can have that conversation regarding forgiving and letting go once I've validated my wounds. But I think far too many people, and I've heard my clients tell me that therapists have thrown them out of their office and said, go home and deal with that anger and then come back to me. No, no, no. It's your job to help me process the anger. And by the way, anger is valid. If I've been abused by an overt narcissistic parent, for instance, and I've suffered incredible torture, for instance, my anger represents an ego boundary. That's the me. I can now protect me because I can identify what has been done to me. That's a very sacred part of our healing journey. And without acknowledging what has been done, it's very hard to move forward. But I do agree with you absolutely in that anything that's happened that we're in resistance to prevents us from healing. 
So that means, and this is the challenge, if I've struggled with abuse or I have been abused, somewhere in my psyche, I have to move into accepting this happened. I have to accept all of it, the shame, the vulnerability, the, the way that I've self-sabotaged as a result of it, it happened. Mm -hmm. There has been an event or events or a series of events that have taken place in my life that have led me right here, right now. Mm -hmm. Somehow I have to develop the wherewithal to be able to accept that, move through that and deal with the muck and the mire that is the result of it so that I can get to the next stage of emotional recovery. Mm -hmm. But I think far too often women are taught, you should just forgive. And like, it's oh, yeah. bad to be angry. And oh, we yeah. get called all sorts of names. We hold people accountable. And no, I can be angry and not react to that anger. I can be angry and set a boundary lovingly. I could be angry and push you outside my comfort zone and still be a loving person. Well, you know, you bring up such a good point and that's how people respond to um, the victim. And uh, the advice, the, the really damaging advice that people can give a victim. Mm -hmm. And in this, I'm a Southern girl. I know you're a North, up North girl, but uh, we have this great way of, you know, denial of just pretending as if something didn't happen. And if you bring it up, you are really shamed for bringing it up. Mm -hmm. And um, I've actually had, uh, you know, a family member say to me, why can't you just let this go? Why can't you let it go? Your parents loved you. They did the best they could. And while that's true, there was for a long time, there was this part of me that was like, why can't anyone admit that this happened? Right. Like, why can't you see what I am seeing now getting out of that particular level of hell? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, where people are not willing to see what you're seeing and they're shaming you for it. How does that happen in a person? Because, you know, it, it's really requiring something inside of you to believe, to actually not believe the people who raised you, not believe the people who love you. You have to go outside of everyone who's right. loved and cared about you and believe someone, you know, you're paying, you know, $95 an hour to, for example. I mean, how does that process happen for a, a woman? I think that what, I think that we have to just see things as they are. I have a natural need to feel validated by my mother. It's organic. It's, it's, it's survival. And you go back to the first group of people that ever walked the face of the earth. If, if, you're, if, you, if you're, a woman gives birth to a child and rejects that child, that threatens survival for a species. So feeling connected and brought in by your mother, by the people who created you is instinctive. It's tied to survival. And now all these hundreds of thousands of years later, now we're dealing with something a little bit different. It's emotional abandonment. So most of us have our need for housing satisfied, our need for food satisfied. But now we're talking about something that human beings are having to face. And that's this emotional abandonment piece, which also triggers the survival brain. The limbic system gets activated. The amygdala goes haywire. Cortisol is just distributed throughout the body. We are in true fight or flight. Like our amygdala believes this is akin to death. And so I think we have to respect the fact that, of course, if I was abused in my childhood, and that's for me to decide, not a therapist too. 
right? I don't want anybody telling me that they think that I was, I, I will have that memory. You know, I will share that. I don't want to be pushed into thinking anything other than what I think, first of all. But if I have this experience of, wait a minute, who my mother was wounded me, I need to be able to feel those feelings. Now, the challenging thing is on a, when it comes to survival, it's not going to be so easy for me to see that because on a psychological level, as well as survival level, that means I have to kind of like be separate from my mother now, right? So here I'm going against the survival within me, which is no, connect with your mother, get your mother's approval, give her a break, don't threaten this bond. And so that becomes very challenging as the adult daughter of, let's say, an emotionally neglectful mother. How do I make peace with acknowledging that I didn't receive what I needed? My mother's in denial of it. My mother calls me every name in the book and says that I'm, I just wanted attention. Well, if I wanted attention, that means I didn't get enough affection. Because children shouldn't want attention. It should just be given to them. That's their birthright. And no child should be shamed for wanting their mother to look at her. And if a mother is shaming a child for that, that means that child isn't getting enough of what they need. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You are invited to join my online coaching community, iHeartLove Academy. On my private app, you can attend a monthly class and receive coaching with me. You can also explore guest coaches and speakers, post your questions and receive help from my coaching community, or offer advice to a fellow Diamond Girl. You also have access to our growing library list of classes and workshops, plus group member chat. There's so much fun in this group, and I especially love the supportive community. You can join iHeart Love Academy and receive three days free and enjoy as many classes as you like. Then join on a monthly basis. You can cancel at any time. To join us, head on over to diamondgirl.me slash group. That's diamondgirl, D-I-A-M-O-N-D-G-I-R-L dot me slash group. I can't wait to see you in the group at iHeartLove Academy. And so it is, it's very challenging to confront how we feel about our mothers and then take the step to go no contact or go limited contact or just accept that they do not see things the way we see them. And I had to do that. I went low contact, almost no contact for an entire year when I, it started to hit. Because the more I was coming out of denial, the more they wanted to tell me I was crazy because they didn't want to face it. They didn't want to face it. So, yeah, I, you know, I, I so resonate with what, you know, I'm hearing this relationship that the child has with its parents, you know, when growing up, we cannot believe it is our parent who is wrong. You know, we will blame ourselves. It's something we're doing. Um, I remember as a child, it was just so confusing to me. 
because I felt like I was doing everything right, but yet they were still unhappy. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's very confusing. And so I'm hearing you speak about this with the mother and child and wow, is it sounding like what I hear about women with their partners, mm-hmm. not getting enough attention, wanting more attention, um, needing to feel um, validated and loved and secure. And a lot of people are struggling right now in a relationship where they're not having their needs met. And my answer to them is usually the first answer is a man is not going to be able to meet all your needs. Like it's just going to happen, but somewhere in there slides in like, you know, a whisper of codependency or um, that we're not enough on our own. And I'm just curious when it comes to relationships, adult relationships uh, between a woman and a man, what are your feelings about healing and being codependent and, you know, not continuing that cycle that we had with our parents? Well, codependency is basically a childhood pushed out, right? So we're living below the veil of consciousness up until about the age of seven children are in a theta brainwave state, which is a hypnotic brainwave state. So literally... However your parents were, whatever they modeled for relationships, however you felt, everything's feeling. So I have a feeling like mommy doesn't love me. That eventually becomes a belief. Mommy doesn't love me. And then the way that a mind, the child's mind works, very egocentric, it must be my fault that mommy doesn't love me. That's where shame comes from. So now below the age of below the age of seven, I don't believe that I'm worthy. I believe it's all my fault. I don't feel like I'm good enough. Now that does, if that doesn't get corrected before we start dating, that's still, these are still undercurrents. So now it sounds like, I hope he likes me. I hope I'm thin enough. I hope he thinks I'm funny. I hope he marries me. I hope he thinks I'm attractive, right? All of this, trying to get this connection to this person that is really our attempt to heal the abandonment wound and to feel wanted by someone that we on a subconscious level think he is the answer to. That's wrong. The answer is not the person outside of you. That person should be a part of your life. But as codependent women who are emotionally abandoned by our mothers in most of the cases and fathers too, but we spend most of the time with our mothers so they get most of the blame because it's just a matter of airtime. So if I'm spending most of the time with you, I'm going to be wounded mostly by you, right? So, but if we are adult daughters and we have these dysfunctional relationships with our mothers, let's say, then I'm going to be attracted to someone who is very similar to my mother's energy. It's repetition compulsion because below the veil of consciousness, I'm trying to get that, that, that need for a connection met. It's a psychological need that I have to bond with the energy being that created me and also abandoned me. So now I end up in a relationship with a man who mirrors my mother's energy. And I just keep trying and keep, and it's not enough. And then I get angry and I start to withhold and I start to shut down. And then I play the card. Well, I'm doing everything and you're not doing anything. So all that does is push the man further away. And what I don't realize is that I, below the veil of consciousness, have made this person responsible for every emotion I have. If they love me enough, then I'll feel good enough. But they also have to love me the way I want them to love me. There's no freedom in that. We, when we're healthy, we have chosen, chosen someone that we think is worthy of our love. 
chosen. So we go into the relationship choosing, picking this person because we feel they're worthy of us. When we're unhealthy, we go into relationships hoping that this person thinks we're worthy of them. And then we play all these games to try to get them to see us enough, get them to pay attention, enough attention to us. And when they don't, we punish them. And it isn't until we awaken and we take accountability for our wounds that we can start correcting this. Does that make sense? Totally. Because round and round we go, (laughs) you know, it's a good game to kick me. And I hear about it a a lot in relationships where the woman comes to me and she sounds very much wounded by this man, but the deeper we go, I'm not trying to blame her for what she's going through, but the deeper we go, there's um, resistance. And, and then often, even when that need is getting met and you you do have that person coming towards you. It's almost like we can't accept it mm-hmm. because we're so used to or accustomed to um, not getting that need met, not being loved and, and, and held and cared for. Well, we have to understand that if we have a subconscious belief, I'm not good enough, then no matter how much that person loves me, it will not be enough because I will not believe that this person thinks that I'm enough because it's, I'm projecting I'm not enough. Mm-hmm. So if I don't feel good enough, no matter what you do, it's always going to be tainted with, but did you really mean to do that? Did you really mean to bring me home? You only brought me home flowers because I asked you to. We're (laughs) going to piss on it, right? Because we can only experience what we believe. And that's why it's so important that if we're struggling with, I am not enough stuff, if we're struggling with shame, if we don't have a healthy self-concept, if our worldview sucks, You know, if we believe that people are unsafe, these are things that we have to deal with. And I can tell you, I've lived a codependent life and I'm living a non-codependent life. Whereas my first marriage, I actually believed that it was my ex-husband's job to make me feel like I was good enough. Right. Now I was willing to exchange cleaning the house, sex, saying a certain weight, looking a certain way, keeping my hair. So I was willing to exchange all of that as long as he made it his priority to make me feel good enough, right? That was, me, that was my inner child disguised as this woman mm-hmm. in this marriage giving birth. That was me playing a game. No, it's your job to make me feel good enough. I'll, I'll take care of you, but it's your job to make me feel good enough. And woe to you if you screw up. Right. Woe to you because I'm going to complain. I'm going to cry. I'm going to make you feel guilty because mm-hmm. you failed to make me feel good enough. And so this is classic, the drama, the drama triangle of a That's codependent. Right. <laughs> now, now as a non-codependent woman, I did my recovery work. And when I met my second husband, I said, it is not his responsibility to make me feel good enough. I am going to be consciously choose an amazing man, an amazing man that I could put all my respect behind. That's what I'm going to do this time. And I will not make him responsible for my happiness. I will make myself happy. So I don't lo- I no longer need his validation. I don't need his approval. I love him just because I find worth in him as he is. And he's free to love me the way he wishes to express that love. I don't want to control that. And I don't want him saying to me, well, you should love me this way because then it's not free love. Now it's being controlled. It's something else. It's been distorted. So there's a huge difference. There is a huge difference. And I'm so happy that we're speaking about this because a lot of the dissatisfaction or disappointment 
that I hear about is really this expectation uh, for a man to behave. And it makes so much sense considering that a lot of us, most of us have some form of a wounded childhood mm-hmm. where we were either a good girl or a bad girl mm-hmm. and children were classified as good or bad. And so we often see our spouses the same way. Mm-hmm. We don't give that opportunity or let them have free will to love us how they can, but you can express, you know, you can express like, oh, I felt lonely recently. It would feel great to spend time together, or it would feel great to take a weekend away together. What do you think you can express all of that? But so often I hear, um, a man just isn't doing what a woman expects him to do. And I even encourage my clients to take out the word disappointment from their language, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. just completely remove the word. I'm disappointed because Mm -hmm whenever you're telling someone like, I'm disappointed in you, it's this built up expectation of how they're supposed to have behaved for you. And I really challenge my listeners to explore deeper what's behind that disappointment. Is it control? You know, Mm -hmm. is it fear of abandonment? And you're secretly just trying to control that person. Um, But often I think the relationship, like you're saying, it gets out of balance kind of organically because there is that push pull where the affection isn't flowing and that inauthenticity, where you're not being authentic with yourself. You're pretending to be the wife. You're pretending to be that partner or that image that you believe they're going to love. Mm-hmm. So if you're in a relationship like that, what's the first step you want to take to start breaking free, reclaiming your own identity and kind of getting the status quo, getting it back to an even neutral place uh, in the relationship? What are, do you have some ideas on that? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. everyone. This is Adrian Everhart. If you're enjoying my podcast and also enjoy my YouTube channel, I suggest you go a little bit deeper into one of my self-study programs. I recommend everyone start with my ebook, 500 Ways to Talk to a Man. It also comes with a two-day video class. This ebook has transformed the lives of so many women because I help you get aligned with your natural feminine energy and learn to speak and phrase your words in a way that really connects to a man's heart instead of challenging him with masculine energy. I can teach you so much more in my self-study programs. I have something for every topic that you may be interested in. And of course, New Man Manifesto, which is a 12-week manifesting course. It comes with homework and lots of extras. So head on over to my website, everheartcoaching.com to learn more. I think accountability is super, super important. And one of my catchphrases is you can't fix the hole, a hole in the wall you don't see. I love that. So when I realized, oh my God, I really, I am controlling, you know, I'm a controlling person and I have been playing this codependent game and oh my God, if I, if I said, if he said to me, some of the things that I say to him, I'd be out of here. Right. You know? 
And I think it's so true. I mean, I've coached enough women. And what I hear is I played a game hoping that I could change him. And when I coach my male clients, I hear them say, I wish she didn't change. So it's like in the courting phase, very oftentimes, I hate to stereotype or generalize, but let's just be real. In the courting phase, women are trying so hard to get this man to love them and like them. They're trying so hard. They're being attentive, paying attention to his needs. And the man is thinking, this is great. I hope she never changes. But in the back of a woman's mind, it's like, I'm going to do this and it's going to be leveraged to change him. And that's just immature. It's just immature. And so when we're, when we're mature enough to go, wow, that really, that really wasn't my best moment. And, you know, it, those are probably my inner child issues coming to the surface. I never felt good enough. And I thought that I had to be a certain way to be loved. And I did, I was going to be loyal to him and I was going to be faithful and I was going to be a good wife. So what's the, what's the harm in thinking I could change him? Well, you're not accepting him. And you, you married a version of him that existed in your head. And now you're punishing him because he doesn't meet your expectation. And that's not entirely fair. So now you're in a conundrum. So now what do I do? Right? So I think the first thing is to be uh, deep enough and be self-aware enough to like take accountability. Like if that happened, the only way out of it is to accept it and move into it. You know, for me, it was like, I shut the book. I read the book, Codependent No More. And I was like, Melody Beatty is sitting next to me. And she's just like, you did this, you did this. I mean, it was terrifying. I was like, oh my God, I can't read the rest of this book. Like I knew I couldn't unsee it. And so what I did was all I could do, and let's face it, lots of times we do end up marrying the wrong person. Lots mm -hmm. of times we do end up in the wrong relationship. Lots of times we, we have trained someone to think that we're a trick pony. We've trained them to think that we're just here for them. We've trained them, right? And we oftentimes marry someone that had we been a little bit more conscious, we would, have, we would not have made that choice consciously. However, I don't think that we just end relationships like just without thinking. And so what I did was when I took accountability from my part of it, you know, I wanted to do a backflip. I said to my husband, my ex-husband, I know what's wrong with us, we're codependent. And all I have to do is start taking responsibility for how I feel and let you be who you are. Like, I am not responsible for you anymore. All I have to do is start taking better care of myself and let you take care of you. And he was not going to have that. No, 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 no. You take care of me. That's, that's the relationship dynamic. I don't worry about you. You don't worry about you. You worry about me. So I backed myself into a one-way relationship. I didn't even know it, but I was still willing to learn everything I could to heal myself and to show up honest and authentic and to set boundaries and to see what happened. In my case, when I started setting those boundaries lovingly, it wasn't to punish him. It was to create some stability and balance. And I was hoping at that time, like, he'll meet me there. He'll see that this isn't about, about a punishment. He'll see this is about self-actualization. He'll see this is about the wounded little girl inside of me loving myself and doing things for myself once in a while. He'll see it, but he never could. So, and it got worse and he started to punish me because I started to pull away and I wanted to set boundaries. But the, what changed my life was when I realized that I had programmed my children to acquiesce and subjugate, just like my mother had. 
And so I was 11 years into my marriage with my three children. And I thought, if he doesn't get on board, I got to go. I got to go because the only way that this is going to work is if I become an alcoholic, if I have affairs, if I completely let myself go, or if I die, the only, I could not be myself in that relationship with him because he wanted complete control. And so for me, the relationship didn't work, but it put me on the path to self-discovery and, you know, it's why I'm here with you now because I feel. Yeah. I, I, I love that story. I mean, I wish he could have gotten on board, but, um, if my ears hear correctly, it sounds like you two have been able to work out something good and, and, and no, no, no. No, it didn't no. work out good. I'll no. edit that part out if you don't want me to keep it in there. But oh, no, it's the, fine. Well, I guess the way you speak about him, I hear so much empathy and compassion that I guess I was believing that things would are, are, are okay between you two now. Well, I think what you're hearing is that I, I have completely accepted and surrendered to mm-hmm. him and who he was and his last therapy appointment. As a matter of fact, we when he realized that I wasn't giving up, I was going to stay on the path to self-discovery and healing myself. He, he left the house for three months and said, okay, I'll go into therapy. Like after he already left. So he knew I wasn't kidding. And so when he came back in, that's when he wanted to go into therapy. And so he went into therapy, but everything I said, he would turn around and say, you're just trying to make me look bad. And I was like, no, that really happened. Like that really happened. So there was no way that we were going to find a middle ground. And finally the therapist said, I want to start seeing him alone. I said, mm-hmm. totally fine. And she called me one day and she said, Lisa, he's not going to change. Okay. okay. And if you don't change, you're going to have a very big little boy on your hands. Right. And he came home from therapy one day after being with a therapist. And he said, our therapist said, I don't have to change. I said, and she's right. You don't have to, but I don't have to stay. And I don't know where I'm going, but if you don't change, I know I can't stay here. I have a responsibility to our children. Mm-hmm. And so he was very angry. He refused to sign divorce papers for four years. Um, I had to get an order of protection to finally convince him I wasn't playing. Oh, it was hell. But I still have empathy for him in that he's a product of his childhood. Yeah. And it wasn't all his fault. I was severely codependent. I played the game. I babied him. I enabled him. I was the one who said, I don't want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, I mean, was he the healthiest person in the world? Absolutely not. But the reality is that for 11 years, I was acquiescing and subjugating, doing exactly what my mother did to my father until my body failed. And I realized that I was so unhappy and I had to start speaking my truth and give him a chance and give us a chance to equalize. But Mm -hmm. in my case, that didn't work. But people who, I will say that people, couples that come through my class, they have a better chance because these are two people that are interested in actually healing. Mm-hmm. If you have a partner that's not interested in healing, may not work. Right, right. I love what you're sharing because so often I work with women and I have great success rate for getting their marriage back on track. Um, I use a tool called warmth. Mm-hmm. And that warmth is basically unconditional positive regard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And it's, you are, you don't have to change. I love you the way you are, but I'm not going to condone, you know, how, what's happening or what's going on. Mm -hmm. And in a marriage, it can, um, 
if a, if a couple, if couples decide that I'm in it and it sounds like you had such a strong, powerful guy, he did not want to let you go. No, right. He did not want to lose you. And I, I often wonder, I'm not going to wonder what if, but I see scenarios like that. And whenever a man is like really willing to do the work, um, and even go into therapy, that's such a huge thing because there's, I hear about so many men who want nothing to do with therapy. Well, don't want to hear anything about a self-help book. I got to interject. Right? I got to interject. When we're talking about someone going into therapy, their intention has to be pure because far too often, not only men, women too, far too often men will go into therapy thinking that I'm just going to placate her. This is going to just last a few sessions. I'm just going to shut her up. No intention to really look at themselves or listen to their wife. What do you really need? What am I not giving you that I could be better at offering you? Or how am I really upsetting you? So if it's not a pure intention, then oftentimes it's just a ploy. Sometimes men will go into therapy, not all men, sometimes women too, trying to convince the therapist that the wife is crazy. Right. Like there's really nothing wrong in our marriage. She's just impossible to please. Right. Yeah, right. So if the intention isn't vulnerable, like I know that I'm not perfect. I know that I have some crap from my childhood that I can work on. And I know that I need to listen more. I need to be more present. I need to learn how to be a little bit more vulnerable with you so I could actually have a relationship with you, you know, then it's not going to work. So even though on that, when you, you hear me say my ex-husband wanted to go into therapy, it was just to shut me up. I see. I see. It was just, okay, finally, you want me to go into therapy? Okay. Mm -hmm. And he admitted seven years later that my goal was to destroy you. I thought if I destroyed you, you would need me. You'd have to come back to me. It oh. wasn't, it wasn't deep compassion. I want to yeah. meet you. Yeah. No. Gotcha. No. And I, you know, I hate that it took him that many years, but I'm, very happy that he was able to voice that and say that because that didn't mean on some level he grew up a little bit even well, he reverted he, i mean we're oh, yeah we, he <laughs> reverted guy. yeah it's been a very complicated oh, relationship um and you know he said that and but then if you would have bump and bumped bump into him today, he would give you a different story. And that's part of, that's part of the problem with his, this type of personality it was like nailing jello to a wall. Who are you? What do you think? Why are we going to therapy? How do you really feel? Do you want a marriage? You just want a body in the bed. Like, do you want a wife or do you just want someone who's going to cook for you and like lay your clothes out? What do you want? So it was really, I just want someone who's going to be there and let me do what I want to do when I want to do it. And don't ask much, much of me. Uh -huh. I don't want to participate in the marriage, uh -huh. but I don't want to be alone. Right. Not a lot of depth. And I would say high on the narcissistic spectrum, very passive, yeah. aggressive, condescending. So I just want to be fair to your audience in that just because someone says they want to go into therapy doesn't mean that their intention is to dig deep and show up as 50% of this relationship and give you their all. It's not what it means. Not all, not all the time. Yeah. And, and not all the time does it require both of you in therapy. Sometimes right. in some cases, one of you can change, you know, the, the both That's of right. you, you can uh, lead by example. I always tell my, you know, my, my listeners that um, a man's words mean nothing. And you have to really look at his actions and see how he's responding. And does that work for you? 
Yeah. You know, does that sit right with you? Um, a lot of people might be okay with having a partner that doesn't participate as much in certain right. areas of their life, but it wasn't right for you. Right. And you knew the right time to walk away, um, which is another powerful part of healing is when you finally walk away from something that isn't working for you. It's such a mixture of fear and also like adrenaline. Um, it's terrifying. Is there anything you want to share with us about how you rebuilt yourself? You know, you're this mother of three and you got back out into the dating world. How did all of that unfold for you? It was messy. It was messy because he sold our business. I quit college to have children, never finished my nursing degree. And so I was completely financially dependent upon him. And when we finally realized that the relationship had, had devolved to the point where it did, it was like, we have, I have to get out of here. Um, and it was a slow process, but what got me through it was one step at a time, recognizing that it was going to take time for me to rebuild my life, that it was not going to happen overnight. And also, you know, as someone who was such a severe codependent, I also suffered with love addiction. So being alone was terrifying. I had never been alone since I was like 15 in a relationship. And suddenly my parents were upset that I was getting a divorce. My ex-husband's family was so angry. No one understood where I was coming from. So my abandonment trauma was triggered. I did not pick the right men. And it really was when I realized it's me, I was the common denominator that I was still attracting men very similar to my ex-husband and following the same path. I'll take care of you. I'll love you. I'll do everything you need. I'll change myself just for you. It was, I was thrown into a three day, a three day withdrawal depression where it was hard for me to get out of bed because it was like, Lisa, you were, this is like crack to you. Relationships are like crack. Mm -hmm. You know, you're looking for someone to satisfy you and please you and tell you that you're good enough. That has to come from within. And so I got serious about my recovery and it took a while, but, um, I ended up becoming certified as a uh, personal trainer and started working with the elderly after cardiac, um, issues. I started youth training, um, and developed a, a client base that was amazing. Just one step at a time. And eventually when my little one turned 12 and I could see that they were all having their own life, I said, no, it's, it's time for mommy to start attracting a serious relationship, a relationship that could grow. Before then I was just dating here and there, passing the time, but there became a point in my life where I said, I want to put this recovery to the test. And I wrote a letter to the universe front and back about how I wanted to feel in my relationship. And I said, I wanted to feel respected, but I also needed to manifest a man that I could respect. I wanted to feel seen. I wanted to feel heard. And I want to see, I want to attract a man that I can make feel seen and I can make feel heard. I wanted to attract a man that had empathy. I wanted to have empathy for him. I wanted to attract a man that could love my children. I want, if he had children, I wanted to be able to love them. And so I financially responsible, someone who was a snazzy dresser, someone who could dance. These are all extras. And about a year and a half after I wrote the letter, my husband asked me out on a date. And um, yeah, we've been married now. We've been together 13 years now. Oh, cold chills. I, I love that. I love that. Um, I have a program, New Man Manifesto. Mm -hmm. And that's really one of the first things I get my, my uh, you know, my students to do is mm -hmm. you have to get specific. Yeah. 
And I always encourage them, you know, like you said, they're extras, the, the sna yep. snazzy dresser and things like yep. that, which I love. Mm -hmm. um, but get very specific. I ask them to also include not any addictions, no addictions of any kind. That's right. That's right. Get very specific. And, and how does that feel? How does it feel? You know, um, if they want a guy with like a perfect smile or, you know, a GQ look or whatever, well, how does that feel for you? What's that mm -hmm. doing for you? Cause we're, we're always not, we want to be questioning the ego, mm -hmm. but we really want to find out like, why do you need this? How does mm -hmm. it feel for you? Because again, you're getting in touch with your feminine essence or your authentic self instead of that part of you that might be codependent or need something to appear a certain way of your life. <clears throat> and of course, there's nothing wrong with disliking something because you like it. Right. You are invited to join my online coaching community. I have a private online coaching community where I teach monthly classes. I have guest coaches, guest speakers, moderators, and so much to share with you. You can join as a member on a monthly basis and cancel at any time. You can post questions, help others where you can lend an answer, and access our library list of growing classes and workshops. There's so much fun in this group, and I especially love the supportive community. It's on a monthly basis, so you can join and cancel at any time. Head on over to diamondgirl.me slash group. That's D-I-A-M-O-N-D-G-I-R-L dot me slash group. I can't wait to see you over at I Heart Love Academy. Right, right. I mean, it's sort of like, you know, why do my husband and I recently had this conversation? I'm like, why do middle middle aged men like red Porsches? Because it makes them look good. Right? <laughs> right. So like, why do I want a really attractive woman or a man in my arm? Because it makes me look good. So it's really not it's really not a qualifier as far as I'm concerned, because what matters most is, is this person going to be by my side? I mean, I had a hysterectomy, emergency hysterectomy, what, six months, five months after I met my husband and I died on the table. So I had a near death experience and Anthony dealt with my children so lovingly and he had never even met them. So he dealt with them so lovingly and oh, he did. He met my one child and uh, said to me after the insurance company kicked me out after seven days, he said, I'm going to take you home. I'm going to take care of you. So to me, I hardly know you. And you know that I have very little relationship with my family. And you know that my, I can't go home to a, a house of three kids and you see me, you know that I have this need and you're arguing with the doctors for me. I don't give a shit what you look like. You could have purple hair and, you know, you could be bald and have, you know, blue teeth. I don't care. You yeah. Know, like, like you are an amazing person. Like you are a stand up person. So I think that the more mature we get, the, the more our qualifiers are tied to authentic qualities that you can't buy. I am thrilled that you're mentioning this because I, I tell my clients, especially after age 40, it's not about settling. It's about finding someone. Love is how someone treats you. Love is a person. A relationship is about how they're showing up in your life. 
And you eventually do, you can't force falling in love. You can't make yourself fall in love with anyone. But when you're open to them and you, you know, unzip your heart when you're vulnerable and you're open to love with a guy who's a couple of inches shorter than you, or maybe isn't as physically, you know, fit, or he's not vegan or he, you know, whatever it may be. Um, but you're just open to it. Like I can possibly love this person. Love will happen. Yeah. I think, get mm-hmm. sorry, I interrupted you. Go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. Share. This is, this time I think, is about you. So we are, oh, no. I'm loving this, everything you're saying. <laughs> so please share. I think for, for me, it was a little bit different the second time around in that, in that I was choosing love, that love was a choice for me. Whereas before I had always fallen into love and you think about falling in love, you fall on your face, mm. you break your nose, you break your teeth. It's not pretty ladies to fall in love because oftentimes what we're attracted to is resonance and what is resonance is what's familiar. And so if your father's an alcoholic or he was a domestic abuse, he was domestically abusive or your mother was abusive, that's resonance. That's, that's your energy pattern. That's what you're going to be attracted to. So when we're young and we're not aware and we don't have the wisdom of, of women who are a little bit older and been through our stuff, then we are attracted to the familiar and mm-hmm. our brain then justifies the attraction and makes excuses for the attraction. This is why we can't get out, right? right. So when we've been through our stuff and we're a little bit wiser, then we understand what matters is, is does this person have the potential to be someone I can trust? Does this person make wise choices? Does, is this person responsible? Is this, does this person show up when they say they're going to? Is this person able to convey empathy? What kind of a person is this? Now that I have decided that this person checks all those boxes, then I'm going to experiment with being a little bit more vulnerable. So mm-hmm. now I'll be a little, because I'm choosing. Whereas before, when we're wounded, we're vulnerable. We throw up all over these men please see me. These are my wounds. My ex did this to me. My father did. We don't know if this person is, is worthy of that vulnerability. So I think that we have to make more conscious, logical choices, which by the way, is the way men make choices, right? You know, you know, what kind of a woman is she? Is she, is she going to be a good mother? Is she, is she going to be a good housekeeper? Is she going to be able to deal with this and do they're making more logical choices about who they're dating than we are. We're all emotional, but oftentimes the emotion is the past. So we've got to, we got to level up. We've, we've got to become more logical. We've got to become more rational. We've got to become more objective. We've got to interview men before we say, okay, so if I like tall men and I meet someone who's two inches shorter than me, I don't th- say no right away. Okay. I say, maybe, maybe to what kind of person are you? Do you check all those other boxes? Do you make me laugh? Are you dependable? Are you reliable? How do you treat puppies? How do you treat the waitress? How do you treat the the bartender? How do you treat people? You know, and if I notice that you are a good quality person, you've got good bones, then I might allow myself to be a little bit more vulnerable with you. And that's, I might choose to love you. I love that so much. Just give a guy a chance, see how he treats you. And that's what I did with my husband, my second husband. He was not at all my type, but he kept showing up. He kept loving yep. me. He kept being there. And eventually my heart just, you know, opened up and I will never forget. It was such a different experience 
than what I had had before because I was literally sobbing with yep. that feeling of love. Yep. Um, it was something very different than just um, passion and chemistry, which, mm-hmm. which came, which mm-hmm. came at a different rate. Mm-hmm. Um, but first it was about how's this person treating me and supporting me and loving me. And then it was like, oh gosh, I need to reflect that back. Like I'm That's in right. it now, you know, it, get, it right. gets real now. Um, Lisa, you have been so insightful to speak with. I could really just continue this conversation for another hour, but I, I know you have a very busy schedule. Do you want to tell my listeners where they can find you? And is there anything else you would like to share with us before we go? Sure. I think um, what we have to learn to do is just be what we want to attract. So if I want someone who's kind, be kind. If I want someone who's not going to judge me, don't judge. If you want someone who's going to listen, listen. If you want someone who is dependable, be dependable. Just be what you want. You know, oftentimes we enter into relationships just thinking about what I want. And is this person going to be what I want them to be? Well, that's very self-absorbed. So it really, the best relationships are the yin and the yang relationships. They are the twin flame relationships where I'm going to mirror you back what I want you to, to receive to me. So if I want someone who compliments me, I compliment. If I, I bring my, my husband home flowers, what's wrong with that? And I say to him today, I brought you flowers and he loves it. He loves it. I live, leave him little love notes in his pockets and make him lunch. And I put it in the bag. You know, I want him to feel appreciated. If I want to feel appreciated, I need to show appreciation. That's the way the universe works. Mm-hmm. The universe can only reflect to you what you are. So that's, to me, that was, if you study quantum mechanics deep enough, it's total accountability. How am I showing up? What am I reflecting? What am I emitting? So I think that's really important. And the last thing I'd like to say is that if you are wounded, then you have to start knowing how you feel. Because when we are wounded, we don't pay attention to how we feel. We ignore it. We spiritually bypass it. um, And we focus on other people and we want them to make us feel a certain way, but we're, we're bypassing how we really feel. So the one, two, three process is something that I created to help my clients get better in touch with how they feel. So the one, two, three process is essentially is no matter what you're going through, accept how you feel, no matter how ugly it is, no matter how ridiculous it is, you're envious, you're jealous, you're pissed off, you're frustrated, just accept it. You got to move into that acceptance. The second step is how do you know that your body is feeling that way? Because your body's telling you, you feel this way. So for me, it's my, sometimes my head gets foggy. Sometimes my heart space just feels so constricted. Sometimes my stomach hurts. So then I, number two is, well, I know I feel this way because my body is sending me the signal. The third step is, well, what are you going to do about it? You have to make a decision. And that is, you have to make that decision based on what you can control, what you can't control. And ultimately really important. How do I want to feel day to day? So Real quickly, if my sister wants me to babysit her dog and I don't want to, and I'm annoyed, I accept that I'm annoyed. I know that I'm annoyed because my stomach feels tight. Okay. Decision-making time. What can I control? I can't control she bought another dog. I can't control that I don't want to because I really don't want to. So what decision can I make? I'm going to make a decision and I'm going to say no. Why? Because I want to trust myself. I want to love myself and I want to respect myself. And I also want to set the boundary for the future that you can't keep buying dogs and expect other people to take care of them. Mm -hmm. 
So that's the way you make, that's the way you quickly run through. How do I make a decision? How do I make a decision? Mm -hmm. How do I make a decision based on honoring how I really feel mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that will lead to honoring your boundaries as a person mm -hmm. and hopefully being able to exist more authentically. Um, and your other question, if people are interested in me, they can find me on YouTube. They can find me on Insight Timer. I'm also one of the most listened to meditation teachers on Insight Timer. I have a podcast myself, Breakdown to Breakthrough. Um, and you can find me at www.lisaaromano.com. I run a 12-week breakthrough coaching program, both live and on demand. Um, and we relaunched a live class in February. Oh, fantastic. So there's a lot of ways to listen more to what Lisa has to share with us. Her YouTube channel is incredibly successful. There's Insight Timer, which if people don't know about that, I believe that's an app you can yep. download. Yep. It's a meditation app. It's the world's largest meditation app. There you go. So that's something that's a great way to access Lisa, as well as Breakdown to Breakthrough. She has mm -hmm. a fantastic podcast. And she can be found at Lisa A. Romano, that's R-O-M-A-N-O dot com. Lisa, you have been just one of my favorite people oh, to speak with ever. And I, I know that all the women listening right now, they're just feeling this kinship with you. And you, you know, this is the thing, this is the difference between all those male coaches out there mm -hmm. <laughs> that are pushing marketing tools on women. You're bringing the real life experience and the real story, the real deal. And just thank you for, for sharing your authenticity with us and your story. Thank you. We, as women have to level up. What I mean is that, you know, once we get logical and rational, once we get realistic and we start owning ourselves, we are unstoppable, but we have to learn to manage our emotions and we have to know where our emotions are coming from. And we have to be willing to negotiate them so we can create the best outcome. I love it. More wisdom. Lisa, thank, thank you, you so much for being on thank my you. show today. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Bye now. <laughs>